0: It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanik.
1: Hello Irish fans and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer. My name is Mike Brammer. Joining me tonight, Ed Juranic, as he's driving in his car on the way back from practice. Oh, he's got a little bit of light. Nah, that didn't work. <laughs> yet. We're, we're just going to roll with this. Not that it matters. It's probably better that we can't see the expressions on your face, especially for this show. But um, so Saturday, 2.30 uh, kickoff, UNLV's in town, 74 degrees, that stadium's going to be rocking, but <laughs> lo and behold, on the way to this game, funny thing happened, <laughs> and um, what we thought was going to be a 5-1 and one Notre Dame facing UNLV is now 3-3, three and three. and um, we're trying to figure out how we got here, so maybe, Ed, I'll let you start. What's your overall take on how we got the three and three?
0: Oh man, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, I was thinking about it today and I was thinking about sort of the, the mental aspects of the game. And I think that, you know, part of the learning process uh, for a head coach, a new head coach is having sort of the pulse of the, of his team. and you know when you think about it, Notre Dame's best three performances uh, this year so far have been away from home. Um, you know they played pretty well in Columbus, uh, they played well in Chapel Hill, uh, they played well in Las Vegas. Um, there might be a little connection there. You know fewer distractions. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know I think Brian Kelly had a way. Um, I think good football coaches have a way of of getting their teams locked in when. It's time to take the field, but um, it, it doesn't appear that Marcus Freeman's kind of cracked that code yet, because let's face it, I mean, you know, you can't, you know, there, there's there's physical advantages over Marshall and Stanford. There should be. I mean, they're just they're just advantages that are too great to overlook statistical advantages. Uh, those are just bad losses any way that you look at it. I also yeah. think and I'll just, just just give me 10 seconds on this. I, I also am really kind of curious about. Um, you know, this sort of, this new sort of, this new sort of wave of coaching players, right? So Marcus Freeman has these personal relationships with all these players. It's something that he prides himself on. Um, It's something that obviously helps in recruiting. Um, You know, there's a, there's a, you know, I I think, I think we'd say that, you know, coaches uh, in an older school, um, they're more than willing to be, you know, um, involved with their players many of them are after they've uh, used up their eligibility um, <laughs> right but but while they're on their rosters they are very Machiavellian about um, their players um, they are it is a it is a um, you know it is a very much a merit-based um, system I'm not saying that that's not what but it's just different right I said I don't yeah. I don't think to get I mean, I don't think Lou Holtz, Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, a handful of other coaches really give a damn about what's going on in their players' lives besides how they can use them to win football games. Now, you know, after they graduate, right after they use up their eligibility, maybe there's some interest there. Um, Yeah, I would agree. They can play the game, right? But they're they're just not, they just don't care uh, that much about, you know, about much more than getting the most out of uh, a player on the field.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I think there's some, uh, look, I mean, I, I think at the beginning of the season, we all knew that, okay, there's going to be a couple bumps because of a guy who's never had college football head coaching experience. You're going to run into that. And, and some of the obvious things we knew, like going for it all the time on fourth down inside field goal range. And you're gonna eventually pay the price for that. And and Stanford, I think, was indicative of that. If he kicks the field goal there, it's seven to three, you got points on the board, you're not going in at halftime with a blank. I mean, that just isn't gonna happen. Um, The other thing is, is it says something to your team. And, And I think this is, to your point, you know, you gotta know the psyche of your team. OK, well, what message does that send if you're always going for it on fourth down? Are, are you the better team or are you nervous that you may not be the better team on the football field? And therefore, let's go for it on fourth down. Um, I mean, these are all the things that kind of come into play here. And I look, I, I totally thought for sure that we were going to lose a game that we shouldn't because we got a brand new head coach without any coaching experience. I think the surprise is that it's not one game; it's now two, and we're only six games in. And so, right. so I think you know that's probably the frustration for for Notre Dame fans at this moment. Um, I'm a firm believer. I, I look, you got to give him this full year before we even start to assess him, and then secondly, I, I really think it takes three years before you know. I mean, at the end of three years, we are absolutely going to know what we're dealing with and whether or not he's got, you know, the the caliber of a, of a college football head coach that can win in a big time program. By the third year, you're absolutely going to know that. You aren't going to know it six games into his first season. I mean, that's just, that's just not going to happen. We can have concerns at this moment and I'm with you. I got him. I mean, hey, let's I don't know how you come out and start out with a five-yard penalty on your home field. And that's, that's the first game. I mean, that's, that's one of the probably the first things I would assume he addressed uh, with the offense, but you know, this is where, you know, the, the, what does Marcus Freeman do from this point forward? I mean, it's going to get interesting here to see what are the adjustments that he makes with the overall psyche of the team, because I think that is the big That's a problem at the moment. There's no way you can sit here and say that, ah, you know what, Stanford's actually not that bad. <laughs> and it's not that they're not that bad, they're clearly not that good of a football team, that's for sure. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense that we lost that football game. Um, I, there's just no way. And so now, what does Marcus Freeman do? come Saturday that's visible to the fans that shows that, all right, we're going to at least these few things make some progression. And, um, and I think that's, it's going to be a big challenge because there's something's something weird is going on. You can't lose the Marshall and Stanford the way that you did and say, ah, that's just the luck of the Irish that happens every now and then. Or something, execution. something behind the scenes is going on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of, to me, a lot of this is, uh, you know, you, you've seen football teams that are sort of mentally tough um, and you've seen others that sort of struggle in that area. And to me, sort of the indices of, of that um, sort of mental strength when it comes to the, the game is uh, performance on third down on both sides of the ball. Um, we have trouble converting and we have trouble stopping teams on third down um even third and long
1: third and 10 10 plus yards
0: yeah, yeah. i think 50 oh, exactly.
1: percent of the time we're giving that up
0: yeah no there's kind of a there's kind of like a you know and, and also you know even in the games we played the best um there was a killer there was a lack of a little bit of a killer instinct of putting a team away right you know we right we we didn't quite close the door and the other you know the other thing that has always really bothered me is how a defense uh plays after its offense goes down the field and scores, and you know even um, you know even Saturday uh, when we took the lead, fourteen to thirteen, we immediately gave up a drive in points. Um, it was yeah. a field goal. It wasn't a touchdown, but we immediately gave up a drive in points, and we've done that multiple times. And when I think back over the last twelve years, over the Kelly area era, uh, the teams that um, ended up with you know bad records or or left a bad taste in our mouth. Those are the kind of things that they did. They weren't very effective in the red zone. Uh, they gave up drives and points after they scored. Um, and they also, you know, they also did things like, I mean, you, you know, you could almost, the, 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 you know, a four yard pass on third and six, a sit route, it was almost the perfect ending to that game Saturday because yeah. it sort of yeah. was a microcosm of everything yeah. we, we had seen leading up to that
1: yeah. play. Well, so, you know, to that point, Ed, um, I, I think that's one of the concerning things that we saw Saturday where there were multiple instances of that, not just that last play. So, you know, we're fans, so we don't really know what goes on, but we, we kind of have a general sense of some real obvious things like a player going through progressions pre-snap, Right. So, whatever you are, whether you're a running back, you're a quarterback, you're a lineman, when you step up to the line of scrimmage, you go through the same progressions that you do in your mind, or at least you should. And that is, okay, what what is the play? What am I doing? What's the snap count? Am I going in motion? And so on that touchdown to mayor, you got a, a junior and Chris Tyree who goes out to his. Whiteout standout position. And I got to believe that they go over this that, okay, Chris, make sure you are not on the line of scrimmage. You are not covering up anybody like your tight end. And I'll bet you Bowman is doing the same thing. Part of his pre snap progression is I'm going out for a play. So let me look down to make sure I'm not covered up. Yeah. Evans yeah. Evans bombing. it's Evans hurt. yeah I'm sorry bombing's hurt that's right but but my point is is that th- these are like come on guys these are obvious things that you do way before the season starts okay right. so right. so that that penalty costs us a touchdown whatever route he was running on that last play i got to believe in my mind that he was supposed to get past the first the first down mark. i don't think he was trying to catch that curl route and then juke somebody and make, make the first down. I don't think that was the play. At least I hope it wasn't, but.
0: And if it, if it, it, and if it, and and to me, you know, what we've been told to date is that, you know, by Marcus Freeman is that, you know, Drew Pine, you know, has an execution issue, but not a decision-making issue that he makes the right decisions. Right. But sometimes he doesn't execute the throw or execute the, well, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, if, if, if this is your last gasp, you just, you just can't throw the ball four yards when you need six. I mean, that's a, that's a decision that a quarterback has to make. That's when he steps up to the line, he's like, the last thing I'm going to do is um, throw, you know, make a throw that puts my receiver in a spot that he's got to break three tackles to get a first down. (laughs) Right. right,
1: right? Well, and and I don't know, you know, it's, it's hard to say because I mean, maybe pine read the right, coverage and that is who we who's the most likely guy that's going to be open or have a have a chance and he ran the wrong route i mean it could be that we don't we don't know but
0: no we don't know we don't know but i think a quarterback at that level um just just with his eyes should be able to tell if a guy's past the marker i mean you know yeah i mean he clearly yeah when he when he makes his break in other words when he sees whatever he sees um you know he's he knows where his guys are and you're right. Maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a failure, you know, in the in the coaching. And, you know, like, I mean, th- to me, like there's it's just, you know, unless you've got a particular look, uh, you just can't throw the ball short of the marker in that right. situation. Yeah. But yeah, again, we don't know enough to, to know. But I mean, it just it was just so indicative of how they played uh, the game. And, you know, you've got, you know, I mean, you know, listen. Audric Estime has been sort of a bright spot on this, on this, in this season so far. He's, I think, exceeded our expectations. He's not just a big brutish guy. No. Um, he's got some wiggle. He's, uh, he's got pretty good hands, um, and you know he was absolutely, you know, he was he was pissed off about dropping the ball going across the goal line in a game where it didn't matter. And he said all the right things after the game, and he made it made you think like this guy's not going to fumble for another year and a half.
1: Yeah, right, and, right, right.
0: You know, and but he was, you know he he did not have, he did not have good ball security. Um, no, I know, I know he was in midair, but you know that's uh, that's that's when you're most vulnerable. Um yep.
1: Yeah, and I mean that that's game that's game recognition. That's knowing you, you're going in to win the football game. You know, at point of contact, you're you're doubling up, both arms right. on the ball. Point yeah. of contact, last drive, you, the last thing you're doing is fumbling. So, you know, again, I think we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So we'll just assume that, yeah, it's a lack of execution. But there's some other things going on here that just seem to be pointing to Issues where there we we are we are just not on the same page as a football team yeah, in yeah. in the little details that matter. And so now it becomes okay, what are what are we gonna do to fix this? What is it that and, and now I, you're I halfway, hope you got now you're
0: ha- Yeah, now you're halfway through a season and the injuries are yeah. piling up. Yeah. And, so what you know, you, I think the, the, I think the, the real, smart real, thing about yeah. I,
1: really quick, and I, I just think that it in my mind at this point i think what you gotta do is go back to simple basics simplify things don't have as many reads on every play and every option and in every uh call that you're making let's just go ahead and execute and not worry about trying to get the exact matchup that we're trying to get by putting a guy in motion or whatever i think you got to throw that stuff out the window and, and just start to execute, especially against a team like unLV.
0: You, well, I think that's what's so. I think you're you're exactly right. and that's what's so frustrating, I think to us as fans. And again, you and I always talk about this, you know, the Holtzian era is our reference. But the games that 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 in that era that Notre Dame had a physical advantage in and a clear talent advantage, like they did against Marshall, like they did against Cal, like they did against Stanford. I mean, those were the games that, that Notre Dame won in that era and literally they probably ran five different plays the entire game.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean they, because because they had the physical advantage, the physical matchup, and maybe they didn't get seven yards of carry in the first quarter, but they got nine yards of carry in the third and fourth quarter. Right. And you know, maybe maybe it was seventeen to seven at halftime, but it was forty-two to thirteen by the end of the game. Right. Um, and, you know, that was just, and, and the thing is, is that they knew those five plays and they, they executed those five plays basically uh, to perfection. Um, yep. And, you know, and then, and then what they would do is in, in bigger games, maybe they would expand the playbook a little bit because they'd, they'd need to. Um, but it was, a, you know, it was, it was, it was doing um, a, a relatively limited number of things. Um, with the, at a very, very high level, um, yeah. you know, across the offensive line. Um, and, um, and, and so I think you're right. I think, you know, that seemed to be a formula that worked pretty well um, in Chapel Hill and in Las Vegas. Um, there were, you know, when those games were secured, they were secured by um, a relatively truncated playbook. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, and-
1: North Carolina, we started just running off tackle. I right. mean, there was some, there wasn't a lot to that. But now, I, I, you know, I, I love the fact that we got the three running backs that we got. I mean, it that is a huge advantage to have guys that you can keep fresh. Right. But by the same token, I, th- I think we're getting a little too cute with wanting to have the exact type of play call for the exact type of running back that's in there you know i mean i, I think you got to go with if is hot let him have three series in a row you know sure let let him let him get his feet underneath them and let him you know pound 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 and then give him a breather and let tyree come in to counter that and then Diggs yeah. comes back in and then these guys are you know I don't have a problem at all spreading spreading the carries out i think that's totally to our advantage it's a huge advantage to have a guy fairly fresh to be running but by the same token i just think that you know we have got to just simplify things and let these guys get some success and then slowly build on top of that and go ahead and expand the playbook after you've perfected these these simple plays that we need to run and against a team like UNLV, we just have to do that. That's just got to be what it is. So really quick, Ed, I, w- I wanted to ask you, I mean, a lot of chatter. I mean, I'm kind of glad we did this show Thursday instead of Monday. But almost everybody's saying the same thing. And I kind of think this is blown out of proportion. But yeah, I don't know. You tell me. But I don't, I don't think you can hang this on Tommy Reese. I mean, I, you can have some arguments in terms of a couple play calls here and there. I'm totally fine with that. But to say that the problem we got right now is Tommy Reese and that if we just switch offensive coordinators, everything's fixed. I'm not buying that at all. I don't see that in the least. And I don't know, maybe I'm on an island by myself, but to me, it's way bigger than Tommy Reese. That is not what's going on here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's an element of it. I mean, the biggest disappointment to me um, is never going to be uh, it, it, with with Tommy Reese. It's not going to be the play calling. We have to remember that. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's j- it's his job to have the offense ready to play, to execute at a high level, whatever terminology that you want to use. And what's what's really disappointing is after two consecutive performances where they seem to really have their act together. Um, they didn't look, they didn't look very ready to play on. Uh, they, they didn't look to be well scripted. They didn't look to really sort of have a, an idea of what they wanted to do against Stanford. And, you know, I'm sorry, but if I'm a Stanford, the Stanford defensive coordinator and I watch the North Carolina game and I watch the, the game in Las Vegas, I have a very clear idea of what I want to do. And that's, you know, force Drew Pine to find receivers other than Michael Mayer. And in other words, um, put, yeah. a, put, a, put a fly in the ointment of the Notre Dame running game, bracket Mayer as much as possible, or make life a little bit difficult. And remember, Pine, you know, I mean, we don't talk about this. Mayer is fantastic. Um, he was targeted, I don't know how many times, but he only caught, what, six or seven balls. Like, yeah. there were a there were, there were, uh, pine forced the ball to him a handful of times because of either a lack of confidence in his other receivers or because they weren't getting open. And he also made some terrible throws when they did get open. Um, uh, yep. uh, you know, so that that's the part that, that sort of, you know, I, I think, I think Notre Dame was pretty, you know, pretty easy to figure out on Saturday. And that does sit at Tommy's, uh, you know, that, that is his responsibility. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think the other thing is, is that um, you know, it's really time, you know, I feel terrible that Eli Reardon is, uh, is out for the season now, because I think he's a guy that they should have targeted, that they should have used a little bit more, or they should have incorporated into the, to the offense a little bit. I mean, maybe the strongest receiver group is your tight end. So yeah. why, you know, why not throw to stays and Reardon and, and Evans a little bit more on that game Saturday? If if, you know, if Michael Mayer is is being, you know, double and yep. triple teamed at times, um, so, you know, get, spread on, them
1: out, even, you know, get them in and, and spread them out in the slot. I mean,
0: yep. if that's what, gotta do, very, that's
1: what you got to do, that's what you got to do. I, mean, I, it's I did very, think that white.
0: Very, it's, it's very popular to get on this, you know, Tobias Merriweather bandwagon. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that we watched him play a handful of plays and he's so clearly gifted athletically. Yeah. And maybe he doesn't know the play, but I mean, you know, draw something on a napkin and get him to, you know, we need <laughs> right. we don't have we don't have playmakers on offense. No, so we don't. If, if you've got one who happens to be a freshman, figure out a way, and they did, you know, they, they threw two balls to him. One of them was was a was a poor throw, and one of them was a touchdown. Well, um, bo- both both
1: of them know. he was open. I mean, I think sure. that right there tells you something. Both of them he's open. I, I agree, you know, I, I agree with that. I think you gotta give him, I mean, he can learn three routes okay if he can just master three routes get him in the game and have him run those three different routes and and at least get him the football a couple times you
0: know and and people talk about the risks with freshmen well he has the kind of body where if you make a decent throw you're either going to have a play made or an incompletion right yeah because yep you don't you don't have to it's not like you're throwing to a smurf you know it's not like you're throwing to uh you know um um you know, it's, there, there's, there's way more risk to me when you're throwing to a Lindsay or a Styles. Again, if you put the ball in a place where, you know, the guy can only, the got only your, your player can catch it. Um, so, you know, I don't know. They've, they've got to, you know, I I'm actually a little bit, you know, more sort of worried about, you know, how we're getting thin on defense. And, you know um, I think you're going to see a lot more Prince Collie just because it doesn't seem like you know, I mean, we're not forcing any turnovers, you know, Foskey has been a disappointment. Um, you know, I love, I love playing freshmen. We all love playing freshmen, freshmen are the shiny new toys, you know, but Mickey and, and Ben Morrison have been, you know, they've struggled, um, you know, they're, they're learning on the fly and it's, it's not pretty sometimes. Um, and uh, you know, our safety play is it's, it's okay. You know, Brandon Joseph yeah. is, is a nice player, but you know i i think that um that we're gonna you know really run into some trouble um you know we don't have lacy anymore we're, we're a little bit banged up um so you know yeah I, it, uh, yeah i, I tend both, to agree both sides both sides of the balls have both sides of the ball have issues for sure yeah
1: yeah well i think that what's going to be real obvious is we're seeing eight in the box until we figure that out so you're going to see that saturday you're going to see it against syracuse and until we can start executing and if you're not throwing to your wide receivers well man boy are you hamstringing yourself against eight in the box and tommy reese better figure that one out real quick maybe he's got to do a couple of those you know tight end quick hitches or tight end you know screens or not tight end but uh wide receiver screens i mean we, we've we got to do something to get the ball out quickly and out out against that eight man front because you're just going to continue to see that all day long and that's going to be a problem for us i don't know that to me yeah. seems like a real obvious one but i i, I tend to agree with you. the thing that's got me a little concerned is i don't see the defense continually holding people below 20 points because they are thin right now i mean we Tariq Bracey's probably gonna play, but I'm gonna bet my life he's not hundred percent. Right, right. And and so he's gonna be tender. And, you know, he's clearly the only lockdown guy we got. Um, and you know, like you say, with Lacey gone, we're probably gonna end up giving up some points. you know, V, I mean, I God forbid we can't manage to win that football game. But anyways, um, Syracuse is gonna be a real challenge. I mean, that's we we got to put some points on the board, and if we don't, that's going to not be good. Yeah,
0: but you know what I think? I I think that um, you know this team still has has you know it has talent, it has some, it has fight in it. It's just one of those really uneven seasons where you know it wouldn't surprise me if they win two out of three, Clemson, USC, and Syracuse. Yeah, and, I could see that. And I could also see us being um, you know uh, lining up for a you know, a game winning 47 yard field goal against BC and, you know, the crossbar and, you know, (laughs) it's just, there's going to be there, you know, or I could see, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, Navy's got 300 rushing yards and we're fighting for our life in the fourth quarter. Um, it's just one of those kinds of years that are very, very frustrating because you're right. This is, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, this, this should be a five and one football team right now. There's just, there's just no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, they should be for sure, and we're not. And so be it. But you know, look, I I think it's way too early to be you know, throwing in the towel. This is this is a decent football team. Like you say, I could totally feasible, not out of the realm of possibility. They could beat Syracuse and then maybe steal Clemson or USC. Totally feasible that could happen. Um, it's those other games that they got to hold their own. It's those other games that they got to control and not let it get away from them. And, um, you know, hopefully what we see, if possible, is us coming out Saturday and kind of executing from the get-go. I mean, we got to put some points on the board in the first quarter. I think anything less than that's going to be pretty disappointing Um, Uh, because those first 20 plays are scripted.
0: Yeah. I mean, we got pretty spoiled because, you know, we, for better or for worse, um, you know, we figured out um how not to play down to our level of competition under brian kelly over the last yep. several years the yep. problem is we had we had we had trouble on the opposite end we, did, we also had trouble playing up to our competition that's when, right uh, when we played a top top team but um but you know listen i think if, if notre dame fans you know had their had their choice uh they'd rather win all the games that they you know should win and have a you know have a puncher's chance um in those other ones um this feels worse um so, but it's also more fixable, um, right? Yeah. Because yeah, the is. other the other problem is you really have to close the talent gap, which you know indications are that you know hold this class together, we make some we make some progress there. Um, but uh, but you know a coach a coach and a team have to sort of figure out um, how to come locked in in these games against uh, I don't want to say inferior opponents, uh, but you know anytime there's a double digit point spread um, that, that's, uh, you know, that means something. Um, yeah. and we had, you know, we had, didn't we have a, what it was, it was more than 20 against Marshall, I think was the spread.
1: Yeah. 22, and, I think. And then what? Stanford 14 was, or 17. Yeah. Yep. I think it's 17.
0: Yep. 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 Um, I mean, this game's 25. I'm, I'm,
1: yep. I don't know what your prediction is, but I'm going with, uh, 35 20 is what I'm Notre Dame winning but they're a 25-point favorite, I think, right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't see that. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I mean, you know, it's a peacock game. The weather's going to be nice. There's going to be people who choose to do yard work instead of going to the game. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm serious. You know, like. No, I I game. agree with it. You know, uh, it's it was not. It was I I did not go into the game Saturday, but by all accounts, you know, we started out slow, and so did the crowd, and it. Only I, I heard awesome. it was dead.
1: I heard it was absolutely dead Saturday.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's, that's a problem. Um, And so this may be one of those years where, you know, maybe the team chemistry is actually, you know, pretty good and it shows itself, you know, in these road trips. Um, But, you know, home is a struggle. I don't know. Um, Yeah. But, you know, they got to, they got to play for each other. Um, You know, it's team sports are like that, right? I mean, you've got to, You've got to oh, that it out. that
1: that team is all about themselves. It's all inside the locker room now. They're the only guys that that can count on each other. This is where you buckle down and you just say, "Hey, guys, forget the the, the outside world. We can't pay attention to that anymore. It's it's all about us now."
0: And, and I think the, I think the, the thing that the things that are gonna you know are potential sort of issues are you know Mayor Patterson Foskey electing to you know.
1: Yeah, throw, not play. Throw it, in,
0: throw it in early, right? Not play. Yep. Um, yep. Or, or you know, losing a couple key recruits. Or, you know, then you get kind of like a bad mojo going. Um, and you're literally like just fighting until, you know, fighting to hang on till the end and focusing on the spring and, and 2023. And that's not, you know, that's not good either. Um, no. So, so, uh, So, you know, but you got to start somewhere. And that's Saturday. And that's winning convincingly. And then uh you're probably gonna be playing you're either gonna be playing an undefeated Syracuse team and a one loss Clemson team, or you're gonna be playing a one loss Syracuse team and an undefeated yeah. Clemson team. So yep. um you've got a yep. chance to you know, it sucks to be an early football fan and know that your team your favorite team is a spoiler. Um <laughs> right. but but uh but that's that's our lot in life this year. So let's go do at, it. Yeah, at
1: least for this year at the moment, yeah, no doubt. Well, it's all right. Hope for better days. Uh Never fun doing these shows when we're 500 halfway through the season. But
0: yeah, it is you what probably it get is. More, probably, get, probably get more listeners, though, so that people. Yeah,
1: I know. Down. For whatever yeah. reason, people people need to drown their sorrows more than they need to get excited. So yeah. um, for any event, we always seem to do better on these losses. Uh, maybe everybody tough. else is trying to figure out. Man, I wonder if anybody else knows what's going on. <laughs> uh, uh, tough one, but uh, we'll see. All right. We'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Ed Jernanik, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.